Well, let's uh, open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 35. We're actually going to set a land speed record here today. Um, We're going to actually cover uh, the end of chapter 35 all the way through the end of chapter 39. I know you're getting a little nervous now. Well, there's a method to the madness here, um, and uh, it's, it's, we're not going to be here for three hours uh, listening to me, but uh, one of the things that's, that's uh, transpiring here in the book of Exodus is there's a, a, a bit of repetition going on, and, and um, one of the things that, that happens is that the Lord's given instructions, specific instructions, for the construction of the tabernacle, the design, the materials to be used, and all of that. Then Moses relays the instructions, and now we're to the point where it's being put into action. So what we read um, through a, a, a large chunk here of 36 through 39 reads very much like previous uh, portions of Exodus because it's basically just saying, okay, now they're doing it. Um, and so it's 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 like verbatim, uh, a, a, an account of, of uh, what we've already kind of gone through. So what we're going to do today is uh, we're not going to read through the entirety of that, but we're going to uh, pick up on the beginning and the end of it uh, because there's some things there that I think are really important for us to understand. Um, today as we, I uh, was thinking in particular, today as we recognize our graduates and we um, uh, say goodbye and not say goodbye all at the same time to Kinchlow's. Um, we're, uh, we're, we, the thing is, we all are, God has this way of moving us in and out of seasons and chapters in our life. It's going to happen. Um, we're, we have a daughter who's graduating. Um, there's, there's, there are chapters in your life that, that are going to close and things are never going to be like they were. Um, and, and that's part of life, believe it or not. That's, that's part of God's design. And sometimes we arrive at those chapters by our decision-making, um, as the Lord leads us. And sometimes by things that are out of our control, we arrive at the close of those chapters and the opening of new ones. And as we transition through life, um, in and out of those, those seasons that God takes us in and out of, uh, there, there's work for us to do there. There's a, there, in that time and space that we reside, we're, we're here to represent Him and to do well, to be faithful, and to carry out His mission and His purpose. And it's going to look a little bit different as we move through life. Uh, for our graduates that are putting, uh, they're closing out their high school, their, a lot of their, their uh, undergraduate education there, um, closing out that chapter. It's, it, you're not going to repeat fifth grade at this point, right? It's, that's, that's in the books. That one's behind you, but you're moving on to some exciting things, and you may or may not have an idea of what that is. Um, I, I, uh, I feel for the, the limbo that you shared, Kevin, and, but uh, at the same time, there's like God leading you into a phase where now you have grandkids, and you recognize you have a mission to invest in them and to invest in your own children as they seek to be godly parents. There's a number of you that are in that same boat. You have, you have grandchildren, and you, you have just, you know it to be your mission right now 
to invest into your kids to empower them and encourage them and, and, and help them however you can so that they can be the parents that God calls them to be and so that you can pour into the grandkids as well and be an encouragement to them to help them in this world. Um, that's an important mission. Uh, but you weren't, always, you weren't always at this place in life. Uh, this is a different chapter than previous ones. looks different. But there are things that as God calls us in and out of, uh, there, there might be some callings that God calls us into that are lifelong. We're just going to, that's going to be a mission throughout our life. And there are other things that are going to be more temporary in nature. God has you right here, right now. Kind of like Esther in the Bible. Like, for such a time as this, that's why you're here. And, um, and so there are principles here in Exodus that we're going to look at today about the way God works that I think are really important for us to hold on to and, and find a solid footing throughout all those uh, twists and turns of life and as God leads us in and out of things. First thing that I uh, um, want to start out with before we read our passage this morning is, is that one foundational understanding as we've got, arrived here at uh, this point of Exodus is that Exodus reveals God's plan and purpose. Uh, this is not Moses' plan and purpose. Exodus isn't about Moses. It isn't about Israel. M- Exodus is about God. God's plan to rescue his people unfolding. It's about God's bringing, God bringing salvation to those whom he loves and cares for. And so we, we read Exodus with a God-centric viewpoint. That he's at the center of it. That he is the focus of it. That he's the one that we're looking for. Um, There are a number of things we can learn from Moses. There are a number of things we can learn from Israel. But the thing that is really going to be the the most important for us to grasp is who, who is Yahweh? Who is he? What is he like? And what does he do? And on those principles, we're going to build a strong foundation for our lives to be the kind of people that he's created us to be. And so the beginning, we're going to start here w- with an understanding that this is God's plan. It's his plan to rescue Israel from Egypt. It's his plan to establish his abiding presence among his people. Um, and, and the construction of the tabernacle, which is kind of where we're at now, is, is a key element of God establishing his presence among his people. And so it takes up the the tabernacle, the topic of the tabernacle takes up quite a bit of Exodus because it is such an important part of of God making his presence known, his manifest presence known among his people. So let's look at, um, let's start here in Exodus chapter 35 verse 30. So God's given the instructions to Moses. Moses has relayed those instructions and and, uh, uh, and is relaying those instructions to now the people who are going to put the plan into motion. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship 
to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of Ahizamach of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to, the, to come do, to do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring much more um, than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command and word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the con- contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. For the material they had was sufficient to do the work and more. And then I want you to flip over there to the end of chapter 39. Verse 42, the next uh, from, from verse uh, 8 of chapter 36, really through the end of chapter 39, it is then an accounting of, of a Bezalel and Aholiab and all the other skilled workmen doing exactly what God uh, prescribed for them to do, according to his specifications and all of that, that he had equipped them to do. Verse 42 of chapter 39 According to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the people of Israel had done all the work. And Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it. As the Lord had commanded, so they had done it. Then Moses blessed them. Uh, three times there the word, um, is given mention that they did it. That the people did what God had commanded them to do. You know, as we get, uh, I have a particular fondness for, for this particular passage because um, I, I, enjoy, uh, I enjoy putting things together with, with wood and um, it's, just, uh, it's just a lot of fun. And, um, and I spent a number of years doing that professionally and, and I still enjoy doing it when I get the opportunity. And, um, and, while I was doing it professionally, I, my, my heart, really, in my work, as it should be for all of us, no matter what our job is, our occupation is, uh, should be to honor and glorify God with whatever it is that we've been called and equipped to do. Um, whatever that is. Uh, if it's, if it's uh, teaching that we do it that way, if it's... If it's uh, plumbing that we do it that way if it's driving a truck that 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 whatever it is that we devote ourselves to that and give ourselves fully to it in a way that it becomes an avenue of worship for us 
that we seek to do every little bit of it for the glory of God. Which means what we really want, if our, if our heart and our attitude is that we want to glorify God with whatever it is that we're, that we're called and equipped to do, then we want Him to empower us with, with a unique ability to do it well. For His name's sake, for His glory. To do it as, as, as well as we possibly can. And there were, there were days that I'll confess that it where, um, where I would wake up and go to the job site and, and it, was, it was plug and play. It was, you know, a little bit of a groundhog's day um, where I'd done this stuff before and now I'm doing it again. Um, and then there were times where I got thrown curveballs that I had no idea what I was going to do. I was so far in over my head. Um, I, I didn't share that with anybody at the time. Uh, they didn't want to know that. Uh, they just wanted to know that I was going to do it, get the job done. Uh, but I knew, I had a confidence that I knew God was going to help me through it. And he did. There are things that, that, I, that, that God gave me a, a unique ability to do at that time that I, I still am now trying to figure out, how did I do that? I don't think I could do it again. But God equipped me with what I needed for that particular moment to do it well for his name's sake. And as we get into this, this passage here of Exodus 35 and 36, it's, it's meaningful to me because too often we overlook um, the, the various occupations that, that the many of us do. And we, we, we grab certain ones and we hold it up as if these are the ones God really enjoys. These are the ones that are really spiritual and godly. But the reality is that God has called and equipped each one of us uniquely, and we all fit into this puzzle that he has put it together. We have a unique role to fill, and whatever it is, we want to do it well for his name's sake and for his glory. To have at the end of that time, whatever that is uh, that we're called to do, to have at the end of that a well-done, good, and faithful servant. And, and it doesn't really, quite honestly, to me right now, this is what God has called me to do. And so I want to do it well. I want at the end of it to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want Tim to empower me to do what I do well for his name's sake and glory. But it doesn't much matter to me whether I'm uh, behind a steering wheel or a nail gun uh, or up here. From, that pers- from the perspective that whatever it is, I want to do it well for his name's sake. I want to walk in his joy and feel his pleasure as I do it. I want to know that he's pleased with me as I do it. And I hope that's our collective heart here, no matter where, you at, wh- wh- where you're at, what you've been called to do, that that is your heart in it. And as we look at the skilled craftsmen here, Bezalel and Aholiab, we see that God called them specifically for this, this task and all the skilled craftsmen with them. There, there is no, no part of this, build, the, the whole thing with the tabernacle and the construction of the tabernacle, you know, it's no more sacred. What, what the priests are going to end up doing is, 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 is sacred, but so is what Bezalel and Aholiab and the craftsmen are doing right here is sacred. It's an offering to God, a pure offering to Him, an act of worship as they participate in God's plan. 
So God established his, his purpose. He established his plan. He's put it into action. He's, he's, he's told them what he wants them to do. It is his work. But he's inviting the people to participate in his work. This is a beautiful thing that God does. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but God is much bigger than us. And uh, there's a way in which, you know, God really doesn't need me. I, his plan doesn't hinge on me. I'm not, I'm not the sheer pin in the operation here. But thankfully, God has invited me to participate in what he's doing, and in so doing, to share also in his joy and his pleasure in what he's doing. That's pretty remarkable, that God would invite you and I to participate in his plan Even though, really, when we consider what it is that we bring compared to who he is and all that he, all the resource he has and power he has available, uh, we really don't bring much to the equation here. But our availability and surrender to him, when empowered by him, accomplishes some incredible things. And he's invited us to be a part of that, to participate in that. He's a good father who loves his children. When you think about you, uh, Father's Day coming up here, one of the things that, that a, a good dad loves to do is, is include his kids in stuff, like teach them things, and, and share with them the things that they love, right? That's uh, whether it's, it's hunting or fishing or hiking whether it's uh, uh, playing games, uh, whether it's repairing stuff, uh, whatever it is, that you, you pass that stuff on. Those things you find joy in, you want to share that with those that you love. And our Father in His kindness and His mercy and His, His love for us has invited us to participate in what He's working out. And so He did with His people here in Exodus. Now, there's, there's five things I want to point out to you here that I think are, are important for us to grasp a hold of and remember as, we, um, as God leads us through life. Um, and, and it's all going to be built on, these five things are going to be built on one, the one truth that I already mentioned, and that is this is God's work. This is his plan. He's sovereign over all this. He's the one in control. So at the very basis of our foundation is God's in control, and this is for him. Colossians talks about Christ being the one in whom all things hold together. Everything was created by him, for him, in him, um, and that's the way life is. It is all for him. And so we're built upon that. So here are the five things that... um, So that first foundational truth that we need to hold on to is that it's his work, it's his plan, and it's his purpose. And built on that are five things um, that God does um, as he's he's working in this world and inviting us to participate in his work. The first one is he calls. As we... In Exodus there, as we look at uh, the beginning of our passage that we read today, it says, Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. 
And then later on we find that he is also called a Holiab. Um, and um, that, that calling can certainly look different um, for each one of us. But the fact is that when it says that God's called them, it means that he specifically chose them and set them apart for this work that he has created for them to do. Ephesians 2, uh, chapter, chapter 2, verse 10, reminds us that after God saves us, he, he's got stuff for us to do. Um, we're, we're created uh, by his workmanship, and he's, he's created beforehand things for us to do now. Um, they're, just, they're sort of like a, 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 a God has a, a place for us to serve in his kingdom. Um, once we are, uh, once he has saved us. And so the first part of this is called. That God calls us into unique roles in what he's doing. Now, unique roles in the church body. I mean, as we look into um, in the New Testament, and we think about the spiritual gifts and the way those work together for the building up of the body of Christ and the various leadership um, roles that God has given to the body of Christ. We see those roles for certainly we see family roles um, mothers and fathers husbands and wives um, that there are callings into those roles that we are to fulfill Um, there are callings that are sometimes to serve as as elders or deacons there are callings sometimes just to to reach out to a neighbor someone in need there there are certain things that God will call us to do and here God is uh, um, calling Bezalel and Aholiab to be the the lead um, uh, craftsman here in the construction of the tabernacle. So the first one is, it's God who calls. Secondly is, um, he fills. Verse 31 says, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God. What does that, what does that mean? Uh, well, it means that he's filled him with the Spirit of God, but what comes along with that is there's a purpose in that. As it goes on to say, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship. In other words, God has called, called them to, to carry out a mission for his purpose according to his design, and then he has given them the power and the 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 intellect, the ability that they need supernaturally through the Spirit of God to be able to do it. That's, that's, not a, that's not a component we want to overlook. As God calls us, He also fills us with His Spirit to carry out the task that He's called us to. Remember, it's His work. And so, uh, as Paul talks to the Galatians, it's in a little different context, but similar idea. Um, the, the Galatians, they were saved by grace. And then they wanted to go back and, and start applying works as if it was the works that were going to save them. And Paul says, what are you doing? Why, why, if God saved you by grace, why are you now going back to these works as if they have some role in your salvation? Well, similarly, when God, is, when God calls us to participate in His work, why should we arrive now at stepping into it and saying, okay, Lord, I'll go for it, um, and then we go at it as if it's all on us, 
as if God is not the one who then empowers us to carry it out. We, we rely on Him. We must rely on Him through it. And whatever that is, that, that each day that we wake up and that He's moving us and empowering us for what it is that He's called us to. Third thing is, He inspires. I don't mean that in a sort of wishy-washy, new-agey kind of sense, but let's look at what we do mean. Verse 34, it says, And He has inspired Him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of Ahizamach, of the tribe of Dan. What does that mean? Uh, Well, it's pretty straightforward, really. It means that God moved them in their hearts. He put in them the seed to move them from the core of who they are to do what he had called them to do. So God calls them. Then he fills them with his spirit so that they have everything that they're going to need to accomplish it. And then he moves in their hearts so that they actually are motivated to to be a part of it. So God's really taking care of all the components that are needed for Bezalel and Aholiab and the craftsmen to fulfill the mission. God's taking care of it. He's called them. He's made that clear. He's filled them with the Spirit so that they have the skills and abilities that they need. And now he's inspiring them. He's moving them at the heart level um, that they would be moved to do what they've now been called to do. That is that that, 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 that um, spirit of worship that I mentioned earlier where our work would be our worship and offering to God. He's moving in them that their work, they would find joy in that. The third thing is this, or, or fourth thing, he equips We kind of touched on this already as he fills with his spirit. But God equips his people with the skills, abilities, intellect, and understanding that they need. So verse 35, it says, He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen or by a weaver or any sort of workman or skilled designer. Uh, Bezalel and Aholiab are quite diverse in the application of their abilities and skills here. Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. Now, here's an interesting way that at least in my experience I've seen the Lord work. And that is that it's not like we're we're not talking about this giant download where God just gives them everything that they're going to possibly need to know. I I think actually what's what is more likely here is that there's stuff that Bezalel and Aholiab encounter where they go, hmm, this is a curious one. How are we going to do this? And then he helps them figure it out. And they're learning on the fly. And as they come to a need, God equips them to know exactly what to do. So we don't need to stress out at the beginning of it and think, oh, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. Sometimes that's a really excellent place to start, by the way. To be surrendered to him and then to feel like you're not sure what you know what you're doing puts you in a place where now you need to rely on him. And then he has, it seems to me that there's an easier way in which God now can move through you and do his work through you when you've sort of gotten yourself out of the equation. When we get in trouble is when we come to it thinking we've got something we can give to the Lord. We, he called the right guy. 
I, it's a good thing he had my number. Right? Then we get into some major trouble. The fifth thing is this. So he, he equips, he's called, he's filled, he inspires, moves at the heart level, he's uh, equipped with every skill needed, and he supplies. As we continue on there, verse, verse 2, it, it, uh, uh, God pulls together the craftsmen here, and, and it says, uh, verse 3, And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work of the sanctuary. In fact, as we kept reading there, what happens is the people just keep bringing, keep contributing to the point where Moses says, Okay, that's enough. No more contributing. And, um, and this is uh, reminiscent of what we find later in, uh, with Jesus at the feeding of the 4,000, the feeding of the 5,000, is that God supplies for God's work. Whatever is needed for God's people to accomplish His work, He will supply. There's, there's just, God just never comes up short. He, he owns it all. It's all at his disposal. And so um, we can be assured that when God calls us into something, whatever it is, that we're going to have enough of whatever it is we need to finish it. Whether it's material stuff, like here in Exodus for the construction of the tabernacle, whether it's emotional stuff, uh, whether it's, it's uh, fortitude or perseverance um, or patience um, or understanding or wisdom, but whatever it is, it is not going to be in short supply when it's needed. Now, God may not like give you a, a dump truck load of it all at once. But he gives you what you need when you need it so that you can continue moving forward in what he's called you to do. And you, we, can tr- we can trust him to show up moment by moment as we faithfully seek to serve him and carry out his work for us. So we have God calls, God fills, God inspires, God equips, and he supplies. And so in that, we see really it's God's work, and then God's doing everything to set us up to accomplish it. So what is our role? Um, The short of it is, the short version is show up and don't go home until the work's done. That's kind of the short version. I'm going to give you just a slightly more expanded version of that. Our role in God's work is to seek to maintain a heart and mind inclined to Him. That is to walk with, in step with Him. To keep our focus on Him. And to keep working away with a joyful heart, with a thankful heart, until it's accomplished. Um, until God says you're done, Keep swinging the hammer. Keep digging the hole. Whatever it is, keep showing up every day, ready to serve him, trusting that he's going to give you everything you need for the moment. And don't give up until he says you're done. And there are three things, three disciplines we can work into our life to help us walk in such a way. Um, And... 
Kevin certainly spoke of one there as it relates to the knowing of God's Word. And, uh, you know, we, we're going to go through seasons where um, it becomes quite challenging for us to just keep showing up. You've probably had some of those days where it's been hard just for you to show up and be faithful to whatever God's called you to. But there are three disciplines that we can incorporate into our life to help us keep showing up on the hard days and on the easy days. On the days where we love how things are going and on the days where it just seems like uh, I, every, every step has a, a thorn planted neatly right under our foot. There are just those days where things are hard and, and kind of crummy and can be very discouraging. So how do we just keep persevering to be consistent, to have longevity um, in our walk with God? and in our service to Him, that we would be among the faithful servants in the kingdom of God. Uh, First one is to pray. Pray about everything. In fact, um, the passage that that Kevin quoted there is a passage that I have for you today, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All those, all those days where you wake up and you go, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. I, I'm, I'm in over my head. I'm overwhelmed by this. Uh, if this feels like it's going to crush me, Lord. I, what, it, and it comes down to everything. Everything, take it to Him. So we can sit there and we can be anxious and we can worry about it. Scripture says, do the opposite. Give it to Him. Trust Him with it. He's bigger than this. He brought you to this moment. He's going to equip you for it and He's going to get you through it. So in understanding that, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Reminds me of uh, flying with my, my helicopter friend, and uh, we're, we're flying at I don't know how many thousand feet. I just know that the mountains below us were like 9,000 feet. So we were way up there, and there was a little bit of a bouncing around in this thing, and, um, and it was interesting. I mean... I don't fly helicopters for a living, so that's not my thing. So it was kind of unsettling to me. And uh, I look over, and he's not freaking out. So I had two choices. I could freak out and accomplish nothing, right? There was nothing I was going to accomplish by freaking out. Or I could keep looking over at my buddy and think, as long as he's not freaking out, I'm not freaking out. (laughs) Which is what I chose to do. And so much of life is like that. God has it under control. If God's not freaking out, don't freak out. Let the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your heart and your mind in Him. Second thing is, know God's Word. Consider it, learn it, and seek to live by it. Psalm 119.105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's funny how the Christian life uh, boils down to some pretty foundational things that uh, don't seem all that fancy, do they? Pray. Wow, 
Read your Bible. Wow. After all these years, it still comes back to knowing God's word and spending time with him and relying on him. Amazing. And the third thing is this. It's a a blessing that God has given us. When when you have a job that's really challenging and difficult or you're in a, a tough spot, one of the things that actually can really help you through it is others, good friends, family, the people that love you that step in right alongside of you and walk it with you. God's given us fellowship with the family of believers. And so the third thing I want to encourage you to incorporate as a discipline, pray, know God's word, and stay in fellowship with other disciples. Now, I I intentionally said with other disciples because, um, you know, hang out with whoever you want, but hitch your your, uh, uh, wagon up with those folks that, um, that are plowing away seeking to honor him with their life, who have surrendered their life to him, and who you can see working to live purposefully for his glory. Those are the folks that are really going to help you through some of the difficult times of life and who are going to help you figure out where the next place to put your foot is when you can't figure it out on your own. Those are the people that are going to be there at your side to pray for you, to encourage you, and to help lift you up because their goal is your goal. It is to keep going further on for the sake of Christ to keep promoting the glory of Christ, to finish well. Those are the people that you need to have in your life alongside of you, to spend time with, to have them rub off their habits on you, and you do the same for them to encourage each other. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There are moments where God may bring you into a time of solitude. He did that for Moses. He did that for Jesus. Uh, I'm sure he did it for the Apostle Paul for a while. I mean, he did it too. he's, He's done it perhaps even for you, where he brings you through a season of solitude. But that's not where God has us live. God has us live in the context of community with other believers. Isolation is the tool of the enemy. To peel us off, get us by ourselves, turn our thoughts inwards on ourselves, and then let, let us just wither on the vine. But God has blessed us with the body of Christ that we finish well together. You want to be consistent, persevering. You want to finish well. You want, to, you want your life at the end to read like uh, Exodus 39, the last couple verses there, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the people of Israel had done all the work. And Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it. As the Lord had commanded, so they had done it. Then Moses blessed them. I think it'd be pretty cool to finish our days like that both as Harrison Community Baptist Church, that when Christ returns, it would be said, they did it. God told them what to do and they did it. Or uh, of yourself, that when you get to the end of your days, that God can look at your life and say, he did it. She did it. That that could be the testimony of her life. 
It's God who calls, God who fills, God who inspires, God who equips, and God who supplies for you. So cultivate those daily habits of prayer and knowing God's word and fellowship with with other believers so that you can stay in the fight and finish well to do his work for his glory and for his purpose and to also benefit from the experiencing of his joy along the way as you labor on for his kingdom. It may be that for you, work is just work. You wake up in the day and it's just another day. God created you for a purpose. And it wasn't just waking up each day to see whether it's raining or sunny. Just to make it through. Make another buck, get through another difficulty, whatever. Jesus said that he came to give life abundantly. To each one of you. To surrender your life to him. Take his yoke upon you. Learn a new way from him. Because the work that the Lord has for you It's glorious in its purpose. And it doesn't die when they lay your body in the ground. Your labor continues on even after your last breath if your labor is for the kingdom of God. I can guarantee you that probably any number of us in here could list off about three names right like that. Folks who have gone to be with the Lord who continue to have a ministry in your life who continue to speak words of truth into your life and encourage you on each day. That's the kind of work I want to do. It's the kind of work I want to invest in. It's the kind of work I want you guys to invest in. Stuff that lasts, stuff that matters. And the Lord invites you to participate in it today. So if you haven't given your life to Him, give your life to Him today. Ask for His forgiveness and ask Him to help you start doing work that matters forever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for calling us. We thank you for filling us and inspiring us, moving our hearts and and equipping us and supplying us with, Lord, everything that we need to accomplish the work that you've called us to. And we ask that you would help us to cultivate the kinds of disciplines in our life, Lord, that, that help us to finish well, to be consistent, to be persevering, to have longevity, when it comes to living as believers, followers of Christ. I pray for our, uh, our uh, young people, Lord, who are uh, transitioning in life here from um, their, their undergraduate years to onto other things. And Lord, and I ask that you would, you would equip them for that which you've called them into, that you would move, in the, move them in their hearts to be ready to go for whatever it is that you are calling them into. Lord, help them even now to be cultivating those, those habits in their life that will hold them uh, down on the foundation of you, that will help them to navigate the many seasons of life that they're going to encounter, and that they do it well, and that they do it faithfully. Lord, we, we just uh, give you glory and ask for your continued help day by day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please?